Welcome back, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. What's the show? Our Odd Pod Podcast. Podcast dedicated to the odd, the macabre, and everything else in between. And everything in between. What's up, everybody? It's me, Billy. And this is not Billy. And this is, once again, not Billy. It is, in fact, Felicia. Felicia. Not to be confused with Billy. Because... Obviously, there was questions about that. There were. We look a lot alike. I know. Mm-hmm. It's probably the hair. Yeah, it's the, it's definitely the hair. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome back to our Odd Pod podcast. We did that already, but this is episode 14. Is it really? Yeah. 14. Wow. 14 episodes deep. And we still don't know what we're doing. We're getting so deep on episodes. <laughs> Still don't know what we're doing, but you know what? We're having fun. Somebody's listening. That's what the analytics say anyway, and I don't see why they would lie. Somebody out there is listening, and if it's only my sister, that's okay. Yeah, if you're that somebody, hi. Thanks. How are you doing today? Happy holidays. Oh, yeah, it is the holidays. It is the holidays. Somehow I forgot. You know we did two episodes that were related to Christmas, right? And this one's also (laughs) related to Christmas. Just barely. Barely. It's like a little bit related to Christmas. It's actually related to Christmas in an almost fucked up way. My favorite way to be related to Christmas. And I was really struggling on like coming up with a whole episode this week for whatever reason. It has been a week. Literally. It has I been quite a week. wrote like three half episodes. One being dolls. The other one on like black eyed children. Which like I do want to get to, yeah. But my brain was like, no, we're not doing that this week. But now that we've mentioned that we're gonna eventually get to it, we won't because that's what we do here. Remember True. how we used to say what the next episodes were gonna maybe be about, and then they never were. Well, I did it once. <laughs> I don't remember what we said the last Long episode ago, was gonna be. Thirteen but... episodes ago, <laughs> when yeah. we were mere we novice novice podcasters, and now we're like what. Now we're experts. We're professionals now. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally professional. So, whenever I do not know what to do, an, what like, I don't know what to do an episode on, I'm just going to go back to, like, my one true love, true crime. True crime. The truest of crimes. The truest of crimes. And this actually happened fairly recently. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell you how it relates to Christmas, quote unquote. I'm just going to, like, throw it at you at one point. And you're going to be like, oh my God, what the fuck? Oh my God, what the fuck? Well, now I know it's coming. You're not expecting this. I'm telling you. She's telling me that I'm not expecting it, so I'm not expecting it. (laughs) (laughs) Happy wife, happy life, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) We're dealing with true crime. Unfortunately, we're dealing with another serial killer. I don't know why I do this to myself. And up until like researching this, I had never heard of it before, despite it happening like within the last three years. Within the last three years, really? Yes. Like the conclusion oh. of it ended within the last three years. Oh, well, that's a treat. You know, usually it's like old back in the day, like obviously you can get away with killing a bunch of people because it's like forensic science is... has like come a long way. Right. But like this started a while ago, like in the 50s, mm-hmm. and it just ended. Really? And I'm so surprised, like, I haven't heard more about this. It's that pinky. <laughs> the pinky's out. <laughs> you gotta stick the pinky out to take a quiet sip. A quiet sip. The pinky creates quiet. Yeah. Anyway, let me tell you a story. Is it a Christmas story? No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Um. I also just, like, want to preface this. The short 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 amount of information that i'm about to throw at you is barely the tip of the iceberg i don't know if you remember watching me last night struggle with it yes or no i remember you (laughs) struggling with just the tip last night (laughs) gross but maybe later down the road we can do like an expanded version yeah sure um but just the tip of the iceberg here and I want to tell you a story of a lovely lady. Just kidding. His name's Bruce. Um, a lovely na- lady named Bruce. 
So between the years of 2010 and 2017, a total of eight men disappeared from the same neighborhood of Chess and Wesley in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This neighborhood was considered to be the gay enclave um, in the area, and the investigations into the disappearances and eventual murders um, were taken up by two successful police task force, which eventually led to the arrest of a man named Bruce McArthur. I would very quickly like to interrupt and petition that instead of calling it the gay enclave, we call it the gonclave. Because the G and gay and then the fact that there are eight people who are just gone from here. <laughs> Y'all hear that fake laugh? <laughs> it was like, like I, I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. Bruce McArthur, who was a 66-year-old self-employed Toronto landscaper at the time, was arrested on January 18th, 2018. Obviously, we're talking about Bruce McArthur here today. So when he was arrested, he was 60. 66. 66, okay. A little background on our man, Bruce. Um, Bruce McArthur, born um, Thomas Donald Bruce McArthur, was born on October 8th, 1951 in Lindsay, Ontario, and was raised on a farm in Argyle. Should you want to know the exact location of his birth, you could find that on Wikipedia. Why they have so much information on that, I don't know. What the fuck, Wikipedia? Hey, man. People want to know. Anyways, in addition to Bruce, he had a sister. His parents also fostered, like, troubled children from, like, the Toronto area. Like, full support of that because that's amazing. Good on them. But they would either, they, like, cared for either, like, from six to ten children um, at a time. Which seems like a lot, right? Two seems like a lot. And you have ten? Yeah. Do you th- now, okay question do you think they were fostering six to ten children out of like the goodness of their heart like they were good actual good people or do you think they were like i don't know you know some people like it is a thing that happens they foster kids for like money or whatever i don't think they were fostering the kids for money because they're both like religious not that that stops people from being like shitty right but i Just, don't you know, i think this was like out of the kindness of their hearts. You're right. Like, and I don't think re- any religious people have ever taken advantage of people for money before. So That's not what I mean. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just kidding. I don't, nothing that I read about it made me feel like it was like a, um, a scam. I was just curious. The people <laughs> want to know. Well, their family was considered to have like a good reputation in the area, as well as Bruce had a good reputation around town, according to a family friend. Oh, classic serial killer right so when bruce was a young child in school he attended a one-room schoolhouse on the outside of town a classmate described him as trying to be like the teacher's pet and that he like didn't quite fit in with like his peers Peer group yeah and he said that like he would often like tell his teacher whenever there was like mischief afoot oh you little snitch bitch right snitches get stitches bruce Eventually wind up in ditches, Bruce. Yeah, Bruce. Or I guess the opposite. <laughs> anyway. He tried to be teacher's pet because he wasn't like fitting in with his like his peers. and But he was also known for winning singing con- competitions. Oh. Okay. Bruce, Bruce had the voice of an angel. Apparently. Was his last name Springsteen? We just went over this. His last name was MacArthur. <laughs> MacArthur Springsteen. <laughs> uh, no relation. Allegedly. Allegedly. Everything's allegedly. Bruce's mom was an Irish Catholic, and his father was a Scottish Presbyterian. Oh. Um, they were both devout in their faith, which caused a lot of arguments, I think, and Bruce tended to support his mother. That's weird, though, because my understanding is that Protestants and Catholics have always got along really well. I don't know anything about religion. Well, I'm lying. They don't get along. Sorry, Grandma. Sorry, sorry, Gam Gam. Which grandma are we apologizing to? All three of them. All of them. <laughs> I'm so so sorry. I'm so sorry. Just dropped the ball all across the, all the way across the board. I can feel their disappointed looks through my headphones. You know who's really disappointed? Catholic Jesus. I'm sorry. Don't apologize to me. Apologize to Jesus. Moving on. So let's continue before we get offensive. I know. <laughs> 
Okay, so Bruce would support his mother. This would lead to derision. So his dad was mean, and he would mock him, and he was a very strict man. Later, Bruce said that his father may have, like, sensed his, like, homosexuality, which kind of, like... His father sensed his homosexuality? Like a spidey I sense. feel a tingle in the air. His gaydar was going off. Is I that offensive? That. I'm so sorry if it is. I don't know. I don't think so, but in my opinion, if you have to ask, it probably is, so... I'm sorry. Um, but, so, like, he said that his father may have, like, sensed his homosexuality, and I'm just reading that straight from an article. Which does seem, it sounds weird, right? Like, sensed his homosexuality. Like, I don't that? think it means, like, a smell, but you mean, like, what's you kind of get, like, the idea that, like, your child is not... What's that odd odor on the air? He probably just, like, got the sense that, like, his... his there's something... Like, there was something different about him. I get right. it. It's just, it's worded funny. I know it's worded and I'm funny. And I don't, I'm not saying that... I'm trying to be the least offensive about it because, like, I, like I told you before, this article was like straight up, only harped on the fact that he was gay, um, and I didn't like that too much because I was like, there's there's more to him than him being gay. Right, like that's not the reason he kills people. You right. know what I mean? Which, when you explained it to me, it kind of made it feel like the article was kind of like pushing that, right? Like, not like it was he kill people because he was gay i just didn't like that that's what they harped on so much right but like it made sense because all of his victims were gay but i just feel like there's more to people than their sexual orientation right. like, it made sense in the sense that he selected the victims he selected because, because they he... were kind of like in that social group that he belonged to right but then that should kind of be the end of it you know what i mean mm -hmm. but anyway moving off of that like, moving along record or whatever tangent that i just went on so bruce had trouble accepting his sexual orientation at the time because it was considered to be like abnormal in ontario so we're talking like this is probably like the 1960s so right like 1950s and like even though it is canada and they're a little bit more accepting it was things, also the 1950s it was also right. the 1950s and they're, they're still coming around i have no idea what canada's like now nor let alone the 1950s so like for all we know it could have been fucking well from what i've seen canada is like super liberal and like their thoughts because like whenever somebody said <laughs> i was listening to a podcast based out of canada and they were asking questions about like the american election and how if you weren't happy with the fact that joe biden was elected president that they were going to move to canada they were like if you don't like Joe Biden, you're probably not going to like it here. <laughs> I've seen a lot where like um, the far left in America is like the middle in other places. Right. You know? So it seems pretty liberal now. And so I did hand quotes far left in America. <laughs> that like, I forgot what I was saying, but they're pretty liberal there now. And they became pretty... So it had to have come from someplace, like, right? Someplace. I think, like, in the 1960s, they had, like... They're probably, like, Made gay. gay relationships, like, okay. Right. So we'll get to that in a minute, though. Because in the 1960s, everybody's like, hey, you know what's awesome? Love. Love, Love is awesome. Love is awesome. And then there, they just kept going. Yeah. Here, they're like, you know what's also awesome? Vietnam. And then it just kind of fucked everything up. Lots of tangents happening today. <laughs> oh, dear. Somebody broke a cardinal rule. Oh, I know. Hold on. Let me... I hope you guys heard that. I'm going to leave it in. It's oh, a shame. Guys, that's okay. My credit score went up three months in a row. Hell, yeah. Sorry. Humble brag. What's a credit score? <laughs> All right. Back, 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 back. Okay. Anyway. So, for high school, Bruce attended a nearby high school where he met and began dating a Janice Campbell. Bruce graduated along with Janice, in 1970 and later graduated from a program in general business, and Janice and Bruce got married when Bruce was only 23. Wow. I don't want to tell anyone how to live their lives. Do not get married at 23. It sounds like you said a thing you want, you didn't want to do and then immediately did that thing. If you want to, by all means, go ahead. Coming from personal, um, personal experience, don't do it. <laughs> You know what? If you're listening and you have a happy marriage that started at 23 or, or before. Go ahead and shame me. That's yeah. fine. You know a good place to shame her would be? Social media. Oh my God, another tangent. Okay, we got to get back. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Married life for Bruce was a little wild from what I can tell. He worked at a department store as a buyer's assistant in 1973. How do I get that job? This department store was only a few blocks south of Yong Street. Yong Street. I don't know if I said that correctly. It's Y-O-N-G-E. There's no way to know. There was a gay village forming around the area because in 1969, same-sex adult sexual behaviors was decriminalized. In 19, let me just, um, I just want to, I want to reiterate, in 1969. Quit being 12. I'm not being 12. It's 1969. It took that long for same-sex relationships to be decriminalized. Continue. But thank you for assuming the worst of me. (laughs) (laughs) So. That's pretty late. 1969, really? like For Canada? I just think in general. But you know what? Here we are, 2020. Continue. When did Americans finally get the right, or gay Americans finally get the right to, like, Legally marry? Uh, within the last decade. Okay, then. All right. Good on Canada. Yeah, go, way to go, Canada. <laughs> the so, rest of the world. We're catching up. We're working on it. Yeah. Anyway, so in the mid-1970s, Bruce's father was diagnosed with a brain tumor and was sent to a nursing home. Bruce became disappointed when his mother took interest in another man while his father was hanging out in the nursing home. Taking care of his dad. Mm-hmm. So his... Father's father had the brain tumor. No. His dad. Bruce's dad had a brain tumor. I don't know why I heard grandfather. Um, And was sent to a nursing home because apparently his mom couldn't take care of him anymore. And his his mother took interest in another man. Who probably didn't have a brain tumor. Right. Gotcha. Um, And so Bruce was not happy with that. No. You know what? I kind of understand. I kind of get it, but at the same time, I don't really know what was going on pre-brain tumor. I also don't know how they were, like, treating each other. Um, But, so Bruce was, like, getting, like, closer to his father. Um, And then his mom died of cancer in 1978. And then his father. I know. (laughs) And and then his father died um, a few years later in 1981. Damn. So his dad got a brain tumor, went to the nursing home, and then his mom died of cancer first. Yes. Damn. Shit. Is it God don't like ugly? I don't know. She had a malignant carmanoma. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Bruce and his wife moved into a house in Oshawa in 1979, and where in 1981 they would have a daughter, Melanie. And a son named Todd in 1986. Todd. Hey, Todd. Todd is interesting. Um, okay. So Bruce became very active in his church and like tried to keep himself busy to avoid examining his own sexuality. Okay. You know, repress. We repression. Love, we love good repressed feelings. That's what religion's all about. <laughs> Just kidding. So Got while tra- attempting to keep himself busy, none of that worked. Bruce began having like a, <laughs> in my notes, I wrote a sexual affair. A sexual affair. A secular affair. Oh. <laughs> Not it. Did you uh, mean for that to? No. Because <laughs> it kind of fits. <laughs> he didn't have a secular affair. He had a sexual affair. A, sec- a secular sexual affair. A come to Jesus meeting, if you will. Because secular, you know, is like the English or whatever. I do. As know. the Amish would say. <laughs> Anyway, Bruce began having a sexual affair with men in the early 1990s. A year later, he came out to his wife, um, but they continued to live together for a little while. So his wife was like supportive? I don't think she was as supportive as like, it is difficult to just break up with your husband. Father of your two children. Father of your two children. You have a house together. You have like a whole like life together. Do you think, like, that's what she wanted? Or do you think in her mind she's like, man, I really wish you would have had this awakening, like, two children ago? Maybe something close to that. But, like, I also don't know if she, like, worked or not. Right. Like, I think she does work. But regardless, anyway, they stayed in the same household, at least, for a little while. The couple began to have, like, financial difficulty. One part because his job ended in the clothing trade. Um, and one part due to legal issues 
connected to their then teenage son, Todd. Oh, Todd. Who was obsessively making obscene phone calls to women he did not know. So that's fun. Todd. I know. Wow. What are you doing? That gets him in trouble later. Okay. But I'm not going to get too much into that because that's a whole other thing. Let's talk about Todd later. (laughs) Eventually, the couple separated um, in 1997. So they lived together for a while. And in 1999, they declared bankruptcy. Bruce ended up moving to Toronto as there was not a like gay community in Oshawa at the time. And then he began to frequent bars of church in Wesley. Hope I'm saying that right. Which is the gay village that I had mentioned before that all oh. those people had gone missing in. Oh. Oh. He's arrived. He's here. He's here. He moved into an apartment while pursuing a four-year relationship with another man. Um, but they eventually broke up once his divorce was finalized. Because, you know... Yeah, because that, you know... So you're not sleeping with a married man anymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah, maybe not. That's Um, not as exciting anymore. Not as exciting. Um, But Bruce saw a psychiatrist and was prescribed Prozac for several months. Not to harp too much on his background, but I do think his, like, background is important. As, like, we did a whole episode on why serial killers become serial killers. Yeah. So. I blame the brand wars. (laughs) You know, Kellogg. Not enough uh, brand flakes. Yeah. What's another cereal brand that's not Kellogg? Uh, Johnson & Johnson. I don't think that's a cereal brand. Dove? That's soap. They also do chocolate. I'm pretty sure Dove chocolate's from Hershey. Then why do they have Dove soap and deodorant? Let's move on. <laughs> enough with the background. Let's get to the violence. Violence. All right. So in 2001, Bruce met a male sex worker on a chat line. Do you remember those? I have a knowledge of them, yes. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Well, you know who worked for a a sex chat line? That was a big part of most of our childhoods. Who? Rocco the Wallaby from Rocco's Modern Life. No, you're lying. I swear. Oh, my God. He worked for a sex (laughs) line. We will talk about this later. (laughs) Yep. Um, They met off his chat line um, and then later had sex and um, developed at least some kind of working friendship relationship has to be the most successful chat line call ever absolutely um so they developed some kind of a friendship relationship rapport something um sexual relationship because on the afternoon of october 31st a few weeks after bruce's 50th birthday bruce was invited into the man's apartment to see his halloween costume what the man did not expect was that Bruce would end up striking the man several times from behind with an iron pipe that he often just carried around with him. I mean, like, if you don't like his costume, Bruce, fucking just say something. Damn. Like, this this, uh, act of violence makes zero sense to me because it doesn't give a reason why he did it. You know what? Maybe, let me, just bear with me. I'm going to go down a little train of thought here. Why not? We've already been on four tangents already. Remember how he was married to a lady? Mm -hmm. And then he's like, man, I just, I really, I feel sexually repressed and I need to explore my sexual feelings, right? And he eventually just kind of like let it out, let it happen. Maybe he felt that, maybe he like had this violence building up inside of him and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to fucking act. I'm just going to beat this dude with a pipe and just see how I feel. (laughs) And then apparently he felt pretty good because it, if what you said earlier is true, he went on to do it several more times. We'll get to that. Um. So anyway, so his victim obviously lost consciousness. Um. Bruce fled the scene. Just got the fuck out of there. Um. As you do. As one does when you beat somebody with a pipe. Yeah. Um. So eventually his victim woke up. He was able to call 911 and then he was taken to the hospital. Oh. Um, well, so that's thankfully good. this guy lived. Um, he woke up like, what the fuck? Probably with a splitting headache. Literally. Um, so he suffered injuries to his head and body and needed several. What is going on with my brain last night? It says several stickers. He needed several stickers. He needed several stitches on the back of his head. That's going to be about 45 smiley faces right there. He needed several stitches on the back of his head and his fingers and also needed six weeks of physiotherapy. I did it. I said it. Physiotherapy. I didn't fuck it up. (laughs) So 
Bruce later turned himself in after the attack. Really? Yeah, but he said he did not remember the incident or why he did it. You know who probably you know who's probably really to blame? Jesus. The devil. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> who are you? I've already disappointed my grandparents once today. I just keep adding to it. Moving on. <laughs> so he then pleaded to he pleaded guilty to charges of assault with a weapon and assault causing bodily harm. Um, he received a conditional sentence of 729 days, which is two years minus one day. Wow. The math on Felicia. No, look at me. I'm so smart. The Crown attorney had earlier believed jail time was warranted, but agreed to a conditional sentence after a psychiatric and pre-sentencing report suggested that Bruce McArthur was a low was at a low risk to reoffend. Oh well, let's I'm sure that holds up well. So we're gonna call that foreshadowing. Ooh, I do love foreshadowing. It's also like pre-shadowing or post-shadowing? I don't know. Post-shadowing. We'll get to it. It's foreshadowing. But also post-shadowing. Because he had already reoffended. We don't know yet. Anyway. Oh, no, we know. It's a spoiler, guys. She just came out of the spoiler. <laughs> but the victim um, said by the crown was that he was, like, traumatized by the event because, obviously, that he did not provide a victim impact statement or he wasn't able to provide a victim impact statement um, for the sentencing. Sen- sentencing. She can say physiotherapy, but she cannot say sentencing. Anyway, um, there were concerns that MacArthur unexplained behavior may have been due to a combination of his anti-seizure medication and along with the use of an amyl nitrite, which is a muscle relaxant, which is sometimes taken rec- recreationally before sex. Wow. So MacArthur avoided prison this time but spent the first year of his sentence under house arrest, followed by a six-month curfew and three years of probation. During his sentence, he was... Overall, not bad for beating someone nearly to death. He literally... It feels like he got a slap on the wrist because during his sentence, he was barred from church in Wesley except to work or for medical appointments. Um, He had to stay at least 10 meters or 33 feet from the victim's home or workplace, and he could not spend time with male prostitutes. Okay. He also had, was forbidden to possess firearms for uh, 10 years. He was not to purchase, possess, or consume drugs without a medical prescription. And he also had to submit his DNA to a database and was compelled to undertake a psychological and psychiatric counseling, including anger management. But a criminal defense lawyer found the list of conditions uncommon and suggested that the judge was concerned that MacArthur was a danger to all male prostitutes. But a retired homicide detective noted that parole conditions were unenforceable, unenforceable, uh, were not published or made public knowledge and that parole violators were only caught if like they got in trouble with the police that's true so So basically he's like hey what you're doing is fucking pointless it's like he could do all of these things and as long as he doesn't get in trouble with the police we'll never know yeah like he's fine right because like that i'm gonna assume they didn't have like ankle monitors back then Probably not. They probably just like tied you to like your door. They or had like a big ball and chain that it was just hard <laughs> to get around. Yeah, yeah. You would you would notice somebody yeah. dragging it. Hey, what's that? Oh, it's my dog. Yeah. So basically, they gave him like this long list of like things he wasn't allowed to do, and like nobody kept up with him on it. So like what he was doing during this time was exactly what he was not supposed to be doing. Probably. Pro- probably. Yeah. So, in 2014, MacArthur was granted a record suspension on the conviction, which subsequently expunged, would expunge all of his past from his record. Um, and it would not appear in criminal background checks during subsequent investigations. Isn't that convenient? So, basically, he could do the same thing again, and no one would fucking know that he had done that already. Right. Or he could do anything and nobody would know that he already had a record. Something that may be a little more suspicious should they know that he beat the fuck out of someone before. Yeah. So, like, okay. they just got taken off of his record. And I think that's a thing that they do in Canada because um, it's like a um, 
Toronto Police Service retention policy. So why did it get expunged again? Is it because he like he was, was good? granted a record suspension? I'm not sure what the details of that are, but that's what happened. Okay. The only surviving documents, which were just like transcripts, were of his guilty plea and his sentencing hearing, um, the psychiatric report and pre-sentencing report that were ordered during the trial, as well as like pictures of the victim's injuries and weapons. But I don't think you'd be able to like easily access that if you were just looking it up on a computer. Right. Because not like one, they happen like before most computers, I think. Not like before they started like digitizing everything. Right. But it was also like expunged from his record. So it wouldn't be easily accessible. Right. Okay. So it'd be more difficult to find. Right. I know I've talked a lot already. A lot, a lot. But I promise you, it's about to get a lot more crazy. So just hang in there with me. I'm hanging in. And I'm not even, like, going to touch too much on, like, the victims because I want to be able to do them, like, the, like... The justice they deserve. The justice that they definitely deserve. But there really wasn't a whole lot about, like, what happened to them. And I don't want to, like, just glaze over it without acknowledging it. So, with that being said, I'm going to move on. (laughs) Okay. With that being said, we're moving on. I just, I just, I want to recognize what I was able to, like, get down. Okay. All right. So, in 2002, while the assault case was still, like, going on before the courts, Bruce registered with Recon, which was a gay fetish dating website for men into BDSM. His profile noted his interest in submissive men. He was active on numerous gay dating websites, including Silver Daddies, Man Jam, um, Grinder, Bear 411, Bear Forest, Scruff, Daddy Hunt, Squirt, and Growler. What year was this? 2002. Oh, okay, okay. Um, And he had developed a reputation for BDSM and rough sex. So Bruce joined Facebook in 2011, um, and then he began to catalog his nightlife with pictures of parties, vacations, birthday dinners, and concerts. And many of these photos featured um, younger men of South Asian and Middle Eastern descent. By this time... Bruce had become a part of the gay community. Um, and, like, he was a regular at most of the bars. Like people knew him. Yeah, he was a regular at the bars. He, like, you know, he dated and got around. Bruce lived in a neighborhood in Thorncliffe Park that was mainly populated by immigrants and was conveniently only three miles or five kilometers away from church in Wesley. Okay. So, he's nearby. He's sticking close to his roots. Pretty much. Okay. By this time, May Arthur had become like a self-employed landscaper and was operating under the name Artistic Designs. A colleague who installed water features on three of Meg Author's projects described him as more of like a gardener operating out of a little van with old tools. Mm-hmm. So he said that Meg Author always was accompanied by a white older man who appeared to be like romantically involved with him, but like we don't really know what he's about. That was his silver daddy. <laughs> And a day laborer, usually of Southeast Asian or Middle Eastern descent. Oh, weird. Most of MacArthur's clients were like wealthy elderly women who found him charming because, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and he had built like a client base through like personal recommendations. So, like he wasn't like out running commercials or stuff. It was more like, you know, mouth to mouth. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, like wait, what? I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh. Here's my business card. (laughs) Hidden in this tooth. Gross. (laughs) During the off-season, Bruce McArthur portrayed portrayed Santa Claus at a mall. He was Santa. Okay. Well, he portrayed Santa Claus at a mall. I just wanted some kind of like build up. And I was like... It was successful because I thought something else was coming. No, and he made floral floral gifts for charity. Nice. Oh, Santa. See, you got to be careful, man. You never know who's Santa Claus. You don't know whose lap you're sitting on. You never know whose lap you're sitting on. So CNN posted an article after his arrest that said, As investigators dug for bodies at a Toronto area property Monday, details continued to emerge about the life of suspect Bruce McArthur. Bruce McArthur, who is charged with five counts of murder, is alleged to have, have hidden some victims' remains in planters around Toronto, served as Santa Claus at a mall, 
in the Scarsborough neighborhood of the city. He was hired through an event management company who provides various forms of entertainers, including Santa, to many events throughout the greater Toronto area. This was reported by who? CNN. Oh, it's fake news. <laughs> Other Canadian media outlets, including Global News and the Toronto Sun, reported that last month that MacArthur's Facebook account showed that 66-year-old landscaper posing with families in his Santa outfit. Creepy. <laughs> Santa is a murderer, y'all. Also... You heard it here first. <laughs> he uh, deactivated his account, so you can't find it anymore. But there are pictures of it on Google. Googaloo. I'm pretty sure there's a website you can go to and look at deactivated Facebook accounts. The Wayback Machine. So you could probably find it. I didn't do that much research. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm. I'm just saying you probably could if you wanted to. Right. If that's something you want to do, you could probably do it. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about his background. We've yes. Talked about some violence. We've talked about Todd. We've talked about Todd very briefly. Briefly touched on Todd. Melanie, I'm sorry, girl. I think you were the lucky one in all of this. Maybe. You don't know. She's, she might be out doing some fucked up shit right now. We don't know that. Anyway. We briefly touched on how I don't know that much about the victims. We briefly touched on the victims. But now I kind of want to talk about the fall of Bruce MacArthur. And that's the name of the episode. The fall <laughs> of Bruce MacArthur. <laughs> All right, continue. Thank you. So what I can gather was that TPS, the Toronto Police, whatever, um, launched a task force dubbed Project Houston in November of 2012 for the September 2010 disappearance of a man named Skanda Navartam. Skanda Navartam. Believing that he had been murdered, but there was no leads, nobody, nothing. He was missing. Project Houston had identified two other missing person cases linked by geography and lifestyle, Abdul Basir Fazi and Mahid Hamid Kian. Um, I can't see the name, so I'm just going to take your word for it. If it's not a coffee name, no, I don't know. Yeah, if it's not a name of a coffee. Probably can't we do can't it. Pron we, it can't be pronounced on this podcast. Anyway. anyway. Let's continue, please. They I'm were floundering here. I know. They were both um, middle-aged immigrants of South Asian origin who disappeared from Church and Wesley between 2010 and 2012. So, an anonymous tip linked Bruce McArthur to Skanta's disappearance, which led the police to interview him on November 11, 2013. Um, the police had been told that he had a romantic relationship with Skanda and had visited Kian. Um, MacArthur told the police that he knew both men and regularly, regularly interacted with Skanda at a gay bar, but denied being in a relationship with him. Bruce MacArthur also admitted to employing Kian as a day laborer, but he had broken off a sexual relationship. Um, so like in conclusion to those cases, um, they found that there was no real evidence that a crime had been committed there and that there was really was nothing that like was real evidence towards like Bruce being involved with their disappearance. Mm -hmm. So it was like a dead end for them. However, that did put Bruce on the radar for the police. Finally. Right. Right. So police officers surveilling Bruce decided to apprehend him shortly after they saw a young man enter his apartment on January 18th, 2018, believing that the man's life was at risk. A news source told the news a news source told the news. A news source told the news. That the police officers found the young man restrained to a bed when they entered Bruce's apartment. The young man was shaken, but not injured. Um, the man had met Bruce through a hookup dating app called Growler. Um, they said that they had met up for sex before. He had allowed himself to be handcuffed to Bruce's bed, but that... Bruce had put a black bag over his head and then attempted to ta like tape his mouth shut. Oh, so that was it. It was time to die. It kind of feels like that was like his time to go. I would um, like to also point out, I'm I think a growler is a sandwich too. It's also like a thing of beer. Or maybe I'm thinking of a grinder. Yeah, grinder is a sandwich. That's also an app. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> 
Continue with what you're saying. My unrelated rant has stopped. About food. So the police like interrupted them. So the police had a search warrant for his apartment after gaining blood evidence from his van. The police seized electronic devices from the apartment, including five cell phones, five computers, three digital cameras, and about a dozen of USB flash drives. Oh. The evidence found in his apartment shortly, shortly after his arrest prompted investigators to charge Bruce McArthur with two counts of first-degree murder in the presumed deaths of a Andrew Kinsman and Selim Essen, which we have not touched on at all. But, but the evidence was on, obviously, on some of, like, maybe these flash drives or whatever. Right. Well, we'll get into that in a second. Okay. The two that I had just mentioned, their bodies had not been found, but they had a pretty good idea of how they died because they had enough evidence of murder as there was uh, allegedly photographs of the victims found on the computers, and they were particularly grisly and kept as trophies. Damn. So... At the time of Bruce McArthur's arrest, the police believed that he was responsible for the death of the two other men that I had mentioned previously, as well as the other two that I had just said. And they had reasons to believe that there were two others, but they were more concerned with like trying to identify these victims. The police traced McArthur's whereabouts using his online activity, as well as like bank records and everything else. By the end of January, the police said that they were investigating an alleged serial killer who had concealed evidence by burying it across the city because he was a gardener. Oh, shit. I never even thought of that. So across the city of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Damn, Toronto. So they described it as like an unprecedented case with hundreds of officers involved as well as 30 properties that needed to be searched. The owners of the Leeside residence, where he was living at the time, were barred from their homes so that forensic investigators could search the area. Um, aided by cadaver dogs, they t- cadaver dog. the cadaver dogs, they took a, a strong interest in some large planter boxes, but because it's January and it's also Canada, they were frozen. So they had to wrap up the planter boxes. Take them to the coroner's office to be thawed out by heaters. Does it get cold in Canada? Maybe just a little bit. They announced, after like unfreezing these planter boxes, that they found the dismembered skeletal remains of at least three people in two of the 12 plant boxes seized from the residence. Damn. While at the time they had not been identified, the remains... They were able to charge Bruce McArthur with three additional counts of first-degree murder in the presumed deaths of Mahid Kian, Suraj Mahmoodi, and Dean Lissowick. So the pe- he had people that worked for him, right, that worked with him? Did they know about the... Well, so he had, like, the one white guy who I guess would hang out with him during the day that they thought was, like, his romantic partner. Right. And he'd also have, like, day laborers. Which, from my understanding, is someone that just works with you for the day. I mean, the name would suggest that, but like... Who's saying that the people that they're finding in these planter boxes are not the people working with him? Oh, that's fair. Yeah, true. Especially if, like, he is, like, sleeping with some of these people. Right. Okay. So, we don't know. We don't know. There is no way to know. It's a mystery. I mean, I was just thinking with as competent as the police in this matter have been up to this point, they should have probably found something. They seem to be really good at their job. They're they're doing things. It only took them like, what, 40 years? Well, he literally flew underneath the radar for so long. Right. Anyway, looking around everywhere, in February, they announced that they had found the remains of three more people and planters coming from the same apartment home and that one of the six sets of remains belonged to Andrew Kinsman and he was identified through fingerprints, additional planters were seized across the city. On January 29th, 2019, so just last year, um, Bruce pleaded guilty to eight counts of first-degree murder in Ontario, in Ontario Superior Court. He was also sentenced to life imprisonment with no eligibility for parole, for 25 years, McArthur is considered the most prolific known serial killer to have been active in Toronto as well as the oldest known serial killer in Canada. Damn. 
The criminal investigation of MacArthur became the largest ever conducted by the Toronto Police Services and called on the resources of OPP, um, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, as well as the other police, the other police, and other <laughs> forensic services. Those other police. Um, there was criticism from um, the Toronto Police Service with the handling of initial missing persons investigations. From what I could tell, they took the white man's case a lot more seriously in comparison to the missing immigrants. Right. So there was a lot of scandal and stuff going on around it, saying that they paid more attention to like Andrew versus like Mahid or something. But I wasn't able to get into all of that. There was like an accusation of racism, failure to like take missing persons seriously. Mm -hmm. So not getting too much into that because I didn't get a chance to research all of that. But criminologist and Western University professor Michael Arntfield said that the method of disposal suggested that a sophisticated killer who had developed his craft and as most serial killers begin... In their 20s, the crimes could go back several decades and represents the longest run of a serial killer on record. As Bruce's past as a traveling salesman would suggest that the police might have a province-wide investigation. Toronto's crime journalist James Dubrow said that allegations suggest that MacArthur was the deadliest known serial killer in Toronto and the most prolific gay serial killer in Canada. Did a lot of serial killers in Canada, though? I know a fair few. Interesting. Now, we just talked about a whole bunch of fucked up shit. And I thought since this is Christmas time, um, you know, it being the Friday before Christmas, that we would end the show with some kind of palate cleanser and just lighten it up a little bit. Lighten the mood a little. Is it really the Friday before Christmas? When this comes out, it'll be the Friday before Christmas. Wow. So, with that being said, there are some odd Christmas traditions from around the world that I wanted to. I really like. They're super fun. And I thought that since I wanted to do a whole episode on these, but there's not enough information for a whole episode, that we would just tack them on to the end of this one. I think that's a great idea. Um, And I gave billy the responsibility of finishing it for me yes at what was it like 10 30 last night at 10 30 last night <laughs> so the christmas tradition christmas traditions that we're going to talk about actually the first one's not really a christmas tradition it is kind of celebrated around christmas time but it comes from wales and it's called mary lloyd I love it. I think this is going to be our Christmas tradition from now on. I hope so. Um, it's a uh, midwinter about the time. Okay, mm-hmm. this I got this straight from in the time. There was a bit of a time crunch, so this <laughs> is straight from the Atlas Obscura, which is an online resource, and we have I believe we have the book here as well. We do have the book. So they say that in Wales, midwinter is the right time to look a gift horse in its gaping skull mouth. Which I is love hilarious. The gift horse. Yeah. So the place of origin is Wales, obviously, as we mentioned. And it happens around Christmas and New Year's Eve. Welsh families might find themselves challenged by a decorated horse or similar animal uh, skull waiting for them on their doorstep. Oh, so I love it. Basically, it's decorated with colorful ribbons and bells. And, um, but it's a horse skull. Yeah. It has like a ghostly appearance because there's a usually a white sheet that's draped over the person who's carrying it. And revelers will sing and walk around with this head on a stick <laughs> from door to door. And they have to, when they go to a door, the neighbor opens the door and they have to battle the white horse. But it's <laughs> a battle of wits through poetry. So... Mary Lloyd is a is a midwinter pagan tradition where celebrants earn food and drink only after besting the horse in a poetry slam. In a rap battle. Basically, they rap battle a dead horse for treats. <laughs> but 
But isn't it like if when the um if you lose, they get to come in and like raid your pantry or something? I think so. Yeah, it's associated with Christmas, but it's actually a pre-Christian practice. And some regions in Wales choose to parade the horse around for different holidays, like Halloween or May Day or things like that. Here for it. Uh, the exact origins are murky, but the image of a white horse has been a symbol in the UK for at least 3,000 years. I love it. And it's interesting to me because it, and I only know this because I've been playing a Viking video game. Mm-hmm. There was a tradition, and whether it was real or kind of like more of like a legend thing, right? Lore. Um, yeah, lore. There was a thing that Vikings would do called flighting where they would challenge each other to like uh, battles of wit that were usually in verse. So like rhyming verses back and forth. To this see is not like what being do. a bard is. Yeah, basically like this a bard. This is why you like it so much. Yeah, that's why I like it so much. Because it's part of the bard life that I didn't choose. It chose me. Thank you. <laughs> and interestingly enough, bards in that time were called skulls. But we're not going to get into that. But yeah, so it's a centuries-old practice, so I feel like there's got to be a relation, right? Mm-hmm. 3,000 years in this area, there was 100% people coming over on boats and injecting boats. their tradition yeah. and other things into <laughs> the culture. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it also incorporates a centuries-old tradition of wassailing. Wassailing. Which is a Middle English from the Middle English word wassail or wassail or to be in health. So wassail was originally a sugar and spice drink of mulled ale, uh, curdled cream, roasted apples, and eggs, which sounds fucking disgusting. Actually, we have like a, a wassail at our magical dinner. Uh-huh. It was delicious. Okay, well, those who... Uh, partook in a sharing bowl they had so it was basically in a big sharing bowl right um and the people who drank from it were said to be wassailing and then it eventually evolved to describe the custom of begging for booze on christmas so poor merrymakers would go door to door and basically request generosities from like the bigger people so they'd arrive at or bigger people, wealthier people. I was picturing bigger houses. Um, <laughs> they'd arrive at the doorstep of a wealthy neighbor. They'd ask to drink from the wassailing uh, bowl or have their own bowl filled. 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 And so modern Welsh wassailing isn't as, you know, class-based as in the past, but it sort of has the same end goal. Wesslers will earn an invitation to come in by proving themselves through a back and forth rhyming battle with the <laughs> residents of the house. Rat battle. And once inside, uh yeah, what if it's like they're treated to traditional cakes and ale from Do you remember like your mama? Your mama jokes? Like uh hosted by the Fez guy, right? Yeah. yeah. You just imagine it being something like that. American <laughs> wrestling is Your Mama jokes. Your mama jokes, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh in a nutshell, thank you, Atlas Obscura, Mary Lloyd. Mary Lloyd, I think that's gonna be so so fun. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make a little Mary Lloyd. Like, I need a tiny horse skull. Why can't we just get a real horse skull? We I can know. Can also guy. do that. I just want one I can bring with me to work. Oh. Mini horse skull. Maybe pony, sp- pony skull. And there's actually a link from this website. Uh, to craft one out of paper. Oh, really? Okay, well, send me that because we're doing that later. Okay. There's another Christmas tradition and... Well, it's more like a tradition, like how something came to be now, right? Right? That's what we're talking about? Yes. Christmas which was what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. The tradition, it's kind of the origins of where the tradition of tinsel on Christmas trees comes from. And... It's a kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of like different versions of the story, but what I found was, I'm talking about Christmas spiders, and I'm talking about tinsel on trees, right? Right. Did I say that already? Yes. Okay. So the legend of the Christmas spider 
it kind of starts as a story of two mothers. One's a peasant woman and one is a spider, like a mama spider. <laughs> and they're both struggling to provide for their children. It's Christmas Eve. My heart. <laughs> the woman goes into the forest and comes back with like a small fir tree, like our little baby tree. Alberta. Alberta, to serve as a Christmas tree. And she discovered that a spider had made a home for her babies in the tree's branches, which, I mean, it's just a story, but I don't spider babies eat their mom or the mom dies after she has babies? Maybe it's if I probably different spiders. Web. Based on Charlotte's Web, yes. which is literally all I know about spiders. But this is a, but a the woman, heartfelt story, so we're not The woman remember. didn't have the heart to sweep the spiders away. So she didn't, and then the spider, in all its sentient brilliance, <laughs> discovered that the woman was too poor to decorate the tree, so she let, or she decorated the tree for her. She, her and her children spun webs all over the tree while the woman was sleeping, and in the morning when the children woke up, they went downstairs or came out of their hovel or whatever, <laughs> and it was just a Christmas tree draped in Shimmering gossamer from the spider story. butts. From the spider butts. And but there's also a poem that goes along with it, and I'm pretty sure I found the right poem. Do you have the poem? I would love to I hear sure it. as shit do. This poem is by Nancy Rector. I'm pretty sure this is the right poem. And it goes a little something like this. Okay, I'm ready for it. There is a story I've been told about a lady gray who cleaned and shined her cottage awaiting Christmas Day. She dusted dirt and cobwebs, set her tree upon the floor, and seeing several spiders, she shooed them out the door. While the spiders were unhappy to miss out on Christmas Day, they never got to see the tree in all its bright array. So very late on Christmas Eve, they crawled in through a nook and scurried up and down the tree to take a closer look. And when the lady, old and gray, awoke to see her tree, Golden cobwebs graced its boughs, t'was quite a sight to see. So place this spider on your tree, this story to recall, for miracles can happen with all creatures, great and small. It just filled me with like a little bit of warmth. Yeah, it also filled me with a little warm feeling, and I don't like it. Did your heart grow like two sizes? Yeah, which is unhealthy. <laughs> Arithmocardia. So that is um, those things. A nice little palate cleanser. A limoncello after a, that bitter dinner, if you will. <laughs> Was it because they um, they decorate their trees with spiders? and? Yeah, so this is an Eastern European story. I was going to say Austria, right? Or am I wrong? Well, and actually, it did say it was a German lady. So probably like from Germany east, probably. But there are places where they decorate their trees with spiders. And actually, when I was looking for this, I saw some ornaments. It's like there were spiders, right? glossy bulb ornaments, yeah. right? But it had the spider legs coming out of it. That's cute. It was pretty cool. I love that. And we also have a big golden spider on our wall. So. Yeah, so we're ahead of the game. Ahead of the game. But yeah, that's it. Those are those Christmas traditions. Oh, yeah. Because I just, I love... Uh, I love a good odd. I love a good reappropriated pagan festival, you know? <laughs> Big stretch. We've been sitting here for way too long now, I feel like. We have been sitting here for longer. It never feels like it's been that long. It went on for a while. I'm sorry. I'm proud of us. Oh, yeah. Well, mostly you. I didn't do anything. I read <laughs> off of a website. Right. Thank you again, Atlas Obscura. Thank you so much for being an atlas of all things obscure. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I guess that's our episode. That's our episode. Uh, big news. We are now on Pandora. Ooh. Bigger news. We are now on iTunes. Exciting. Go give us a rating of five stars. Tell give us, us what you're doing stars. for Christmas. Tell us what you're doing for Christmas. Tell us your favorite weird Christmas tradition. I can tell you mine, or maybe I'll wait till next week. Those links are going to be available on our podcast website. Which is www.ouroddpodpodcast.com. They'll be available by the time you listen to this. They're not there right now because I forgot, but I'm going to put them up when I'm done. <laughs> How exciting we're on iTunes. I care iTunes. more about iTunes than Pandora. Pandora is being a little... Demanding. Well, what's Yeah, demanding. What's the word? We're not going to shit talk Pandora. And here I am. I don't... 
anyway, you know what? We're on Pandora. If that's your podcast app of choice, you can find us there. Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. iTunes. iTunes. Uh, I would like to take a very brief moment to thank um, Darren Curtis for our intro and outro music. You can find a link to his website, DarrenCurtisMusic.com, on our website, which we mentioned before. Just if you can't so remember, briefly before. you can rewind and listen again. <laughs> but that's all I got. That's all I've got. So once again, as always, we are the Boneses. And we, we are, are out. out.